right, welcome back everyone to Sip with Sam P. Grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your water, grab a drink, anything you want. Take a sip with us while you join in on this 20 to 30 minute podcast where we have conversations regarding school, regarding mental health, or regarding anything in life in general. So uh, let's begin with a quick introduction. As you guys might remember me from last session, my name is Kashish and I'm the co-president of Sampi. Hi everyone, my name is Casey. I'm the other co-president and very excited to have you here today. Hi everybody, my name is Manahel. I am the vice president of Sampi and stay tuned today because we have a special guest. Yes, thank you Manahel. We do have a special guest. We want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us and help us pilot this podcast. She is an amazing professor. You might know her as the undergraduate program director, but I've also taken a class with her as called Integration of Health System, and she was amazing. She really loves to connect with her students and really support them in their growth. So we thought, who better to invite in our Connections podcast than Linda Vindumal? Give her a big hand, everyone. Thank you, Linda, for being with us here today. Hi, everyone. I'm so pleased. I'm so excited to be able to uh, virtually meet uh, the students who are listening to this podcast. And just so you know, if you are in the Bachelor of Health Studies program, you will get me at least once in the program as an instructor, uh, possibly twice. So at some point, you will meet me in your four or five years here at York University. And she is amazing, guys. Take it as a testimony for me. All right. So I had a question for you all. So since it has been COVID, do you guys think your self-of-connection has been lost with others? Like personally for me, I think uh, my self-of-connection with my family and friends has definitely decreased by a lot. For me, I'm an international student. For the whole past year, I was back at home, uh, like in my home country, I was not even connected to Canada. So yeah, definitely. I definitely felt like I lost the connection with myself. I lost the connection with university, with um, campus. I can say from an instructor point of view, it was really challenging to uh, maintain or even initiate connections with students. And so I was fortunate, my whole family has been in this house for 18 months. And so I've had lots of connections with my family. What I looked for during the daytime when I was teaching was to be able to connect with my students and it was very challenging. And oftentimes during my office hours, I would tell students, please come to my office hours because I am lonely. (laughs) I want to talk to people. (laughs) And people would sometimes come to my office hours, but I was really struggling to connect sort of outside of my family life with in my work life to be able to, to connect with students. I definitely agree. I think it's it was a challenging time for both students and professors. Personally, turning on your camera is kind of difficult. Especially in a class of 100 people. That's terrifying. In the beginning, it's really hard. You know, in the, we're not used to the online environment. I personally felt really uncomfortable with turning on my camera. But as I went throughout, I was like, you know what? To engage connections with other students, you need to turn on your camera. And even there are technical difficulties. And mm-hmm. this all plays into the role of how COVID-19 has affected our lives and our connections. I can understand the not always wanting to have your camera on because on the other side of it, I always have to have my camera on. And so there's this sense of I can't hide (laughs) I you know students always are looking at me and uh, that's okay from my perspective I remember students so much better when I see their faces 
And actually in regular times, non-pandemic times, I make a goal for myself that by the midterm exam, as I'm handing out the midterm exam, I can say the name of every student in the class without looking at their card. That's my goal. And the the way that I can do that in non-pandemic times is because I see them once a week for six or seven weeks and I can I can start to learn their names in pandemic times when we're online learning I haven't been able to do that and also understand that you know things are going on behind the scenes behind you while you're trying to attend class so you can't always have your camera on so I guess there's there's always an opportunity that students can come see me during office hours I'm going to totally plug office hours because (laughs) it's my favorite time to get to know students but they can see me during office hours and at that time they might feel a little more comfortable putting their camera on and also it's not such a big deal if like a brother a little brother or sister is like running around in the background during office hours versus during in the middle of a class for sure I think with office hours I love them but sometimes I generally want to come to office hours but I don't know what to say during those office hours because I'm just like, I understand everything that went on in the lecture, but I do want to build that connection with my professor so that I'm like, what do I say? So Linda, do you have any advice for us, for us students? Um, okay, so I have general advice and then I have advice specific to my office hours. Uh, maybe I'll start with the general advice. Professors want to speak to their students during office hours and it's a little bit selfish on our part. Because if we meet our students, then of course we have higher job satisfaction because we feel like we know the people in the class. Mm -hmm. It also is an opportunity to to develop a relationship with students over the course of their four years. Because what happens is as students get into third and fourth year, they start wanting to do things either within the university or outside of the university that requires reference letters. It's actually, you know, we want to know uh, as much as we can about our students so that we can write the best reference letters possible, or even that we can agree to write a reference letter. Because if we don't, if we've never seen the student, we don't know their, we haven't had a conversation with them, you can't really write a good reference letter. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk to you, not only about school, um, certainly if there's something that you want more information about, you can use office hours and it doesn't have to be related to the class. So it doesn't need to be, I didn't really understand that concept in lecture three, can we talk about it? You can just go and and show up and generally say, you know, I'm I'm sort of thinking about switching to a specialization, but my career goals are, X, Y, and Z. What do you think? What, how has your experience led you to your career? And, and, and just learn more about the professor, ask them questions about their research or their career progression, but then also, you know, you can ask for their advice. And, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, I tell students, this is just my advice. <laughs> I have a very strong opinion. Here's my opinion but go and ask lots of other people as well. So, you know, I think office hours are meant to be for broader topics other than just class. However, usually if you do need clarification around something related to the course, office hours are very efficient because email back and forth, trying to clarify a concept or further information about an assignment, it actually is not as efficient and can become really frustrating uh, on both sides because, you know, misunderstandings and people aren't clear. But if you just have a quick five minute conversation, and now that we have Zoom office hours, and I intend on 
continuing Zoom office hours. So for all of my students, they'll have the option. They could either come see me in person when yeah. that can happen, yeah. or they can arrange to do it via Zoom during my office hours and whatever they're most comfortable or what fits into their lifestyle. So uh, I think that there's nothing better than a conversation sometimes uh, about specific issues. I have a follow-up question, if you don't mind. So when I was in Vietnam last year, all throughout the entire school year, I really wanted to go to office hours and meet my professors, but because of the, the time difference, it felt almost impossible. And I've already felt so disconnected from the university because I also do a work-study job. And even with that, I would have meetings at like 11 or midnight. Like it, it felt very disconnected. So what sort of advice would you have for international students who are still stuck in their home country? Yes. Well, I think to make a connection with the professor. First of all, there may be times when you're when you're in your home country that's in another another time zone. You may not even be able to attend all of the lectures, right? Depending on the time of day. You might have to for work-life balance and for to be able to get appropriate sleep, you might be picking and choosing what you're attending and then what you're doing asynchronously. So that's understandable. You know, when I have students who are international in other time zones, and they email me and say, because of the time zone, I'm really only available to meet, you know, between 9am and 11am, then I will offer them a time outside of my office hours, but that fits within, um, within their availability. I think a lot of the times, the more information you can give a professor, the more you're able to enable them to meet your needs. And so if a student just emails me and says, uh, you know, I'm in a different time zone, it's a 12 hour difference, I can't come to office hours. I'm not sure how to respond to that. I'll often just respond back and say, well, when can you meet, you know, but if the student says I'm 12 hours away in a different time zone, and the only time I can meet during your workday is between nine and 11, that's easy. I can then look at my calendar, say, how about tomorrow? I'm available at 9.30. So it's about, I think, just giving the professors as much information as you feel comfortable. Be goal oriented. Like if the goal is I need to speak to the professor um, and the posted office hours don't work for me and I don't have the opportunity to really engage with them in class, set the intention in your email about what you need from them and, and how your the pre professor can meet your needs. And then it makes it easy for us because then we can go, yes, <laughs> we can do that. That's my advice. Yeah, definitely. Um, adding on to that, um, from my personal experience, providing office hours one-on-one -on -one versus drop-in can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Now, like you mentioned, like there can be personal issues. Uh, the student might not want to talk um, in front of a lot lar uh, larger audience about their issue. They would want a one-on-one office hour instead. So if professors were able to provide more um, accessibility and more um, options, more flexibility, I think students would be better able to come in and be connected and come in and be able to talk about their experiences as well. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think, um, you know, some professors in the past when we had in-person office hours, they might strategically do drop-in office hours because you know, students could filter in and listen to the professor explain something, usually if it's just before an exam, or just before a major assignment is due, students want to see the professor more often. You're right, that creates a barrier to it speaking does. about other things you might want to speak about, you know, if you want to talk about career progression, or career options, or 
seek a referral or a reference for something or ask about research opportunities. It's not really the environment to do that. I think too, you know, if you, if your professor has his or her syllabus and it says drop in between nine and 11, you know, you can always email them directly and, and say, could I have a confidential appointment during those office hours. And then I think that that's something that uh, any professor, it would be easy for them to accommodate. I personally use a scheduling system I use in my courses, those of you who've been in my courses, I use Calendly. So students can actually see in my calendar when I'm available, and they can schedule the slot. And they it's private, it's a private slot, they're 15 minutes. If the student thinks they need 30 minutes because they really want to talk about something in depth, they can just schedule two slots, one after another. That works really well. You know, I've tried to share that with my colleagues in the department to say, this is a really good option because it's a private and separate Zoom link. So you don't have to worry about another student popping in on the Zoom call when you're having your conversation. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good idea because like sometimes when you're in office hours and there's like, 15 other people they're on zoom with you and they're not saying anything but you know that they're there it's just very intimidating to ask anything at all it almost feels like i'm in a mini lecture at that point i'm sad and so i think that that shows there are different purposes for office hours some professors will hold office hours almost like a mini tutorial so mm-hmm. they'll you know drop in and and i'll do some practice problems or i'll uh, review i'll do a review of um the half of the term leading up to the midterm and people can just drop in and out great but that purpose for office hours is very different than all of the other reasons why students might want to come and see you and so i you know i agree with the three of you it's really important for professors to provide the different ways to speak to to the the students could speak to the professors. And um, if your professor hasn't presented that in the syllabus, just ask, asking for, you know, a private or a separate or differently scheduled, you know, on a different day. uh, And professors can do that. I've also had a question. I know Linda, you mentioned that, and I think it's very applicable to our students as well. Sometimes we're seeking research opportunities, but we really don't know how to seek them, especially with the professor, because I think there's this conception among students that professors are very busy and then they don't think our problem might be big enough for them or that okay I don't really know how to seek that help or when I'm asking about research opportunities I don't know how to bring that up instead like I don't want to come across that I'm very needy or this is or selfish in a way would you have any advice in regards to that I do. I have advice. And I also have some context because when you think about the size of our program, so let's say you're a fourth year student. In your fourth year, there might be 150 or 175 fourth year students in the same cohort with you. And there are only 12 professors. And so when you look at the the distribution of students and professors, it, it can be challenging because There just aren't as many opportunities that would be available to students compared to a very large program where they might have, you know, 300 students in fourth year and they have 30 faculty on staff. Uh, It's a little bit challenging for students and I completely understand that. Oftentimes when our faculty members get grants and they want to hire students, we'll send those out via email 
But professors do bring on students in volunteer capacities to the third and fourth year students. So we'll say, you know, looking for a research assistant position and we'll send it out to everybody. And so the things you want to look for, if you're interested in gaining some type of volunteer experience, first of all, approach professors who focus mostly on research. So I focus mostly on teaching. I am a teaching stream professor. So I do a very little bit of research, meaning that I don't have a lot of projects on the go. Right now I have two. And so I don't have a lot of capacity for students to engage in any type of even volunteer RA position. But we have other faculty members who have very large grants, very large research programs, and lots of projects on the go. So you want to target those professors because you probably have the most opportunity to get some experience with them. And the way that you know about how what they've got going on is that go to office hours. So when during the first, so let's say September, mm-hmm. you, you're enrolled in all your courses You find out um, that there are a couple of professors that are doing things. You know, you look at the syllabus and usually professors in the first class will talk a little bit about the research. Like, oh, there's some professors who are doing things that I'm interested in. Go to the office hours and introduce yourself. Talk, ask them about their research and introduce the, the option or the opportunity to bring you on as a volunteer in their in their lab to do some research. I think that that's probably the quickest way. The other piece that I would say is that research in our area looks very different than, you know, research in biology and and chemistry. You don't necessarily have to be working on a professor's project to engage in research. You could actually, if you do a, a major paper for a course, so let's say again, in third or fourth year, you do a paper for a professor and it's a policy analysis. Mm-hmm. And you get a really good mark. Let's say you, you're like, I got a 92 on it. I would go back to the professor and say, is there any way that you and I can work together to develop this so that I could potentially publish it somewhere? It's a way of taking something you worked on in a course and then taking it back to the professor and asking them for their assistance in working with you to, to try to publish it. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Actually, I've had a previous experience like that. In one of my biology courses, I was doing a research project. So I had a few questions about it. And I actually went into a drop in session for my professor. And she we had a we had we had a really interesting one on one conversation because she was asking me questions about my research. And she told me about hers. So in a way, you guys can really connect through projects, through papers, to anything that you're doing. Also, Professors like to talk about things other than school. Even if you're just having a a low week where you're just feeling I'm not engaged in school, pick one of your professors who you have the best connection with, go see them during office hours and just talk. When students come to me and just tell me about stuff that's going on in their lives, like, oh, guess what? We just got a puppy. I want to see that puppy. Show me pictures (laughs) of that puppy. Tell me about all of the funny stories about the puppy. I am more than happy to have a non-school, non-research, non-career related discussion as well. Because when it all comes down to it, we're people outside of our school hats and our sister hats and our everything that we are. 
we are just people. And I don't believe that there needs to be these false uh, divisions between I am the professor and you are the students. And we will never demonstrate to each other that we're both human. We are human. I think just the, the takeaway, honestly, when people come talk to me, the takeaway that I always give them is to talk to everybody. And I know it's hard because people feel that anxiety talking to professors, but yeah, we're human. We're somebody's mom. We're somebody's dad. Like we, we're, we're human. That's so true. I feel like there is that conception when we get so caught up in our role that we totally forget that, hey, that other person is also a human being. So they will understand me. Um, that means that I know we talked a lot about some successful ways that we can grow this connection with professors. But I also wanted to quickly touch upon what, what should students really do if they're finding there are some challenges connecting to professors? So is there something that students can maybe some strategies students can employ? Yeah. And, you know, so there might be a couple of situations and, the, and you might handle them a little bit differently. So if it's something where you're trying to connect with a professor and you're getting radio silence, so, you know, you're not getting emails back and you really need to connect with this professor, it's time sensitive because you need a response. You need to know if you can write 15 pages instead of 10 or, and the professor's just not responding to you. You know, students can always contact our office, shpm at yorku.ca um, to, to indicate, you know, it's been like a week and I haven't received a response from professor so-and-so, you know, is there any way I can contact them? And, and then we can try to find out what's going on. It, particularly in the, these remote times, people can get ill <laughs> and, and maybe away from their emails for a couple of days. And, and there may not have been a broad announcement to everyone that this person is, is sick for a couple of days. So that's one way. The other way is that there are opportunities in class. And again, I recognize that not everybody can go to every class. I anticipate that as we move to in-person, the best times in class that I had connecting to students was during break. All of a sudden, like it would be break and then I'd have 10 people in front of me, right? And I would like quickly triage what their concerns were. There'd be a quick question, then there'd be a student who'd want to have an in-depth conversation. And at that point, I'd start making appointments. I'd be like, if you can stay after class, I'll stay behind for half an hour. We'll chat about it. So when we return to in-person, I think that that's going to be easier. You can catch them in class and then nail them down to a time that you guys can talk together. Um, but in this weird time that we're still remote and online, if the professor isn't offering rigid or standard office hours, if they've just put by appointment and you've tried to make an appointment and they're not responding, email me. So everybody will have my email address because it's in every course syllabus. There's a little blurb in every course syllabus about uh, COVID and equity, and it has my email address. Email me, it's lindavd at yorku.ca. And uh, I can also help to make that connection uh, with other professors if for some reason you're just not getting a response. So as a student, I think I would be concerned if I do reach out to you regarding an other professor, would it impact my relationship with my professor that I'm essentially taking the course with? So again, there are a couple of reasons why students might contact me. If you're contacting me because you're having trouble connecting with a professor or getting an answer back, 
I don't imagine that anyone would perceive that as being a problem student. You're just trying to find out what's going on. And, you know, my approach with professors is to indicate, you know, for instance, Casey uh, contacted me and she was having trouble getting in touch with you. Are you able to follow up with her? You know, so I just sort of make that connection. And that's enough (laughs) for the professor to go, oh, I guess I need to be on top of my emails because sometimes it's a matter of they're just not reading their emails quickly enough, right? If it, if it is a, um, a, a concern about a professor or a concern about a course, yeah. the first thing is that the student does need to try to resolve it with a professor first. And so oftentimes I will say, please have the conversation with the professor first. If the two of you aren't able to resolve it, then I will step in. And But I think sometimes students skip that uh, step. They'll just kind of come straight to me. I want to give the student and the professor the tools that they need to work it out within the course. I actually, I'm just another professor, even though I have the title of undergraduate program director. I don't have the, the jurisdiction to, you know, either make students do something or to make professors do something. It's more of a, a conflict resolution rule. So, and professors don't see me as, you know, the punisher. When I approach them to say, you know, I'm going to try to help you work through this with these students or this student, it's never taken in a, a defensive way. Professors just recognize, oh, okay, I, sometimes it's, I didn't recognize that the student was so upset about that. Or I didn't recognize that I didn't give clear enough information, or it it usually is a communication breakdown more than anything else. And it just takes a little bit of a a nudge to get that communication going. But everything is taken on a case by case basis. So I've made two broad generalizations, but I recognize that there are many other issues that could come up where students might um, approach me. And again, just come office hours and we'll figure out what is the next step. So I have a question, hopefully to end all of this on like a high note. So uh, Linda, how do you feel about uh, next school year? Because I know that like for the course that you mentioned, Integrated Health System, I'm taking it by the way, very excited Mm -hmm. for it. Um, I know that it's going to be blended. So I want to hear like how you feel about returning to on campus. Oh my gosh, I want to go back to campus so badly. I'm really excited. for the fall. I'm really excited to get to know students better because I feel like the students who are currently going in third and fourth year, I don't really know them very well because those were the students, you know, who were first and second year during COVID and we just didn't develop relationships. I'm so excited. I normally teach blended courses anyway. I like to have a combination of online and in-person. For my course, I can say that for the in-person classes, I've still given students the opportunity to attend virtually if they have to, because I recognize that in the fall, things are still up in the air and people for whatever reason may not be able to come back to campus. So for all of my in-person classes, there is a synchronous opportunity to essentially zoom into the class while we're all there. So students don't have to physically be on campus. But I also teach a fourth year class. It's healthcare leadership, which relies on role play and scenarios. And so we just did an entire year of doing the role play online. Strangely Mm -hmm. enough, it was really effective to do it online, but I'm so excited to do it in person. Again, for my students, I'm giving them the option of coming in and doing the role play 
synchronously, virtually, or doing it in class, in person, but it'll all happen synchronously at the same time. I'm not kind of, I'm not sure how that's going to work yet. I haven't got my head around the technology, but I will have it figured out by September. And I can tell you my colleagues who are teaching in person as well. I mean, this is the thing we've been waiting for. And learning online and teaching online is great for a couple of weeks as like a little break. Yay, I don't have to commute. <laughs> after, a after a couple of weeks, we were all counting down. Like, when is this going to end? When can we all be together again? I'm hoping. So excited. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to actually like physically see my professors and friends and physically like see people that I've only virtually seen through a camera. So I know. I, um, we are working with all of the course directors in the program to figure out ways to enable students to be really engaged in the course if they are not able to come in person. I just want the students in the program to know that we're not making a hard line between being in person and being online. We recognize there are a lot of students that for whatever reason in the fall semester and maybe even in the winter semester, there may be some barriers that are related to COVID that they still would not be able to come in person. So we're trying to make sure that regardless of the situation, you are able to engage in the course content and get everything you need to get, whether you are in person or not. Looking back at this year, I'm actually very excited to go back in person. That is because in a couple of days, my course enrollment appointment, I'm going to be enrolling into courses and looking back, I'm just like, I'm going into third year. I have no memories whatsoever. What did I do second year? I really same. miss same, right? Like first year, um, I had labs. I was able to go in. I was able to have some hands-on experience because that's what university is about. It's not just about the books and the textbook, but because it's been online, I really felt a disconnect to my studies too. I mm. felt like I'm not getting the, the proper education environment that I deserve as a student. I remember my first year, I was really connected with my uh, TAs because yeah. we had tutorials. I would talk to them after tutorials every single time because Professors are hard to reach when you're in your first year because lectures are like 200 or 300 people. So, but then like COVID hits and I just completely lost connection with like almost everyone at York. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Yeah. So when the list of in-person courses came out, uh, when your publisher on their website, that was the first thing I went to. Like I built all of my schedule based on it. I was like, I'm taking this course because it's in person. You know, we're really afraid that even though we're offering courses in person, we're going to show up to like basically an empty room <laughs> that people just won't show up. So this is making me excited that people are looking forward to being in person. I mean, I will teach to three people in the room and I'll teach to 300. Whoever shows up will get me in person. And but you'll also be streaming in via Zoom uh, at the same time if you're not there in person. But I'm so happy to hear that students want in person again, because for you as students to have that full university experience, you need also to be able to access those extracurricular and co-curricular activities on campus. You need to be able to go get a coffee with someone. You need to be able to like rush across campus, show up at your next class, be out of breath. Because those are, those are like the little things that are, make you feel like, yes, I'm in university on campus. You need those things. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going to say you also need to go through the stress of like trying to book rooms on campus yeah. to meet with your 
yeah. all of those things. <laughs> or trying to find a spot in the library because yeah. during exam seasons, <laughs> there are if people are sitting on the floors. <laughs> I remember doing that. Although they were struggled, they were also memories. Honestly. Yeah, I was just gonna say book study rooms. You know, I remember that in first year booking study rooms, getting together with a group of friends, using the chalkboard, filling everything out. It was it, those little things count. That's what makes university experience count. And looking back, it's just been online staring at a screen. So I cannot wait to go back. Mm-hmm. I also really miss those informal opportunities to bump into people and chat. Yeah. Because right now in the time of online learning, everything feels so scheduled. And when it's scheduled, there's an artificialness about it, right? I miss walking across campus and then seeing a student from one of my classes and going, hey, and, you know, doing just that, that quick hello, because I'm always like surprised when I see a student out of context or standing in the very long lineup waiting for coffee and chatting with the student from my class while we're in line, because when would you get that opportunity to do that again? Those are those little things that I think make campus life that much more enjoyable, the, the unscheduled things. And I can't wait to go back to a somewhat half-scheduled, half-unscheduled <laughs> life. All right. Thank you so much, Linda, for joining us. I think we all have a very, I, I personally feel more connected now, and it's very good that we got to talk about different opportunities and different ways we can connect with professors as well as get a little bit of perspective on how the professors feel as well because sometimes I think we just don't get that opportunity so I'm really thankful that you took the time out to meet with us today thank you Linda and thank you for sharing all the things that we're looking forward to for university life I'm very excited for it as well Thank you, Linda. And I hope that like the students listening in on this, especially the first year who had to spend their freshman year on online. Um, I hope you find all this content um, helpful and I hope that you feel more confident about next year going back in campus and connecting with your professors. Yeah. Thank you again, Linda, for joining us today for the students listening. I hope you can connect with this podcast as much as we want to connect with you. And we are looking forward to seeing you back on campus. Yeah. Linda, do you have any closing words you would like to share? Yes. Um, First of all, welcome to the next academic year. We're so excited to have you. Whether you're in person or you're virtual, we are just happy that we are approaching back to whatever normal is going to be. And secondly, um, professors are people too. (laughs) So (laughs) please come talk to us. We, We want to have relationships with our students. And yeah, even though we might look like, you know, we're serious and, and we're older, again, just always put in your mind that's somebody's mom, that's somebody's dad, that's somebody's, you know, uh, best friend. So we're human underneath. And, and so whenever you're feeling nervous about talking to a professor, just remember that.